Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. It's not Maria Menunos, it's Mr. Maria Menunos. Kevin Undergaard here, sitting in for my beautiful wife. Uh, I'm going to start right off with this amazing quote, which, my God, these quotes just always, they're literally just the quotes in the show, life changing. But let me share this one with you, Kelsey. I'm ready. Where does my greatest joy intersect with the world's greatest need? Let me go there. That is from Brittany Barnett, our guest tonight, who has an incredible story, um, an an incredible uh, message, uh, and a book that's coming out. But I think there's just going to be tons and tons and tons of takeaway, especially if you feel as though... um, you know, all the odds are stacked against you and you don't think that there's a brighter future out there for you. Well, this is someone that, you know, proved mm-hmm. she could do it. And I think from her story and all the lessons she'll share, we can help you get there too. So with that, Kelsey, let's do the introduction. Ooh, I'm ready. So actually her book is out and it's freaking phenomenal. She's... Oh, I didn't know we... I thought we had the advanced copy. See, no, I thought I was I, a big we, shot. We Sorry. were special. All right. What else? <laughs> we were special, but regardless... Brittany Barnett is an award-winning attorney, entrepreneur, author, author, and criminal justice reform advocate. She's dedicated to transforming the criminal justice system and has won freedom for numerous people serving fundamental death sentences for federal drug offenses, including seven clients who received ex- executive clemency from President Barack Obama himself. Her story is one that needs to be heard. From her own hardships birthed her passion, her persistence, and her fight. There is so much we can learn from Brittany and her story. She is a powerhouse and a true force to be reckoned with. Better Together and the Heel Squad are so excited to welcome and learn from her. Hi, Brittany. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Hi there. All right, so Brittany, take us take us from the hu- very humble and challenging beginnings of life in East Texas, if you would be so kind. Yeah, I grew up in a small piece of doors wide open, windows unlocked piece of rural East Texas, Hmm. a small town where literally the two mile street I lived on was all 
family members in those homes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it is a very small town. Everyone knows everybody, thinks they know everyone's business. There was so much love in that town, so much love in my family, extended family. And, you know, I had a hap- happy childhood. All the while, you know, I was still dealing with challenges at home. My sister and I, my mother became addicted to drugs. She was a nurse. And, you know, it's really something when you see your mother, you know, this drug addiction that becomes much stronger than she is. Right. And when you're a child and you're witnessing your hero on ground zero, it's tough because for some reason as a child or for me, I wanted to save her. I thought I could save her at 10. You know, when you're, you're seeing disaster unfold, your tiny arms reach away. You know, now as an adult, I know that I couldn't save her and I know it was not my responsibility to save her, but you know, there's this deep unconditional love. Yeah. So thank goodness you had the love, the, the, I know from looking at the book that some of the things from being in that area, there were seemed like there were limitations to what you could do or what you could become in life. And I guess having a mother in that condition wouldn't help either. Yeah, exactly. And my mom was a nurse. My stepdad worked at the local coal mine, you know, very hardworking people. But I, you know, I had big dreams as a kid. I wanted to be a lawyer always. I wanted to be Claire Huxtable from the Cosby Show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. So there was a study that Cosby had paid for when that show went off the air to see if there was a positive, um, what the positivity was coming out of that show. And at the time, and this is probably 20, 30 years ago, they said no, because it painted an unrealistic picture. And I remember at the time going, you know, I think that study's a little too early because let's let this thing sit. Let people go who watched it. We don't know what's going to happen in 10, 15 years. So I love that it, it did have what I would presume it had a positive effect on people to see that. It did. And that's very interesting. I didn't know about mm-hmm. that. But I did. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be like Claire Hostable on the Cosby show. Unfortunately, in my small piece of rural East Texas, there are, aren't many lawyers at all. And there certainly weren't any lawyers who looked like me and becoming a lawyer started to seem out of my league, like something I couldn't do. And so as I got older and went to high school, you know, I lost sight of, of that dream. And I ended up going to college to be an accountant. Which by the way is fine, but it wasn't your dream. It wasn't my dream, you know, but it still hung on the peripheral. And I remember I had a mentor in college and I was using his books to study for the certified public accountant exam. And I just mentioned to him about law school. You know, I was like, I'm thinking about going to law school to see what he would say. And he said, oh, you should. I'm going to law school in the fall. And I remember being so happy for my friend, but also thinking, now, wait a minute. If he can go to law school, I know I can go to law school. And so it just shows the power of proximity, the power of representation. And yeah, here I am. And also being open because there's other people who could be cynical and go, well, you get to because you're a guy or you get to because your family has money or you, and you didn't do that. Not at all. And actually at the time, 
when I was borrowing those books, the reason I was borrowing those books is because I was taking care of myself and my younger sister because my mama had landed in prison. That's right, from the drugs. Yes. And here you are, too young and not you're not equipped yet to with a lawyer law degree or whatever to do anything about it. Oh my goodness. Um yeah, how do you deal how do you navigate that? I guess we have to even step back. How do you navigate that? It was tough. My mom going to prison was the most devastating event of, of my life. And I was a young adult when she went. I was 22 years old when she went to prison. My mother had a drug addiction. She needed treatment. She needed rehabilitation, not prison. And so it really brought my family extremely close to the devastation caused by mass incarceration. On any given day in this country, there are over 2 million children with an incarcerated parent. And it's heartbreaking for any child to have a parent in prison. But, you know, it's something different when it's your mama. Yeah. It's like a primal wound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. I always, I go back and forth when I see people who overcome all these great odds. And, and the question I always have is, is it, was it in their DNA to begin with, or is it something we can all aspire to be? Because when I think of someone like you who could have, you know, and who could blame you if you wanted to follow in her path or just walk away from all of it, say, I don't, you know, but the fact that you were able to kind of be the flower that grew out of, you know, the cracks in the cement, so to speak. But do you think, was was that what was taught to you growing up or what you saw growing up or you think it was just you, Brittany? That is a remarkable question. And if I'm honest with myself, I think it was a mixture of, of both because though my sister and I, and we had hard times as a family because of my mom's addiction, we were quite happy and we had influential people in our lives, you know, and I think that's something as human beings that we often have to remember that we are all complex humans and nuance and we joy and pain can coexist. Mm. And I think for me, there was something innate. I can honestly say that I felt that, but I had people like my grandpa and I'm from East Texas. We're fishing. My grandpa's out fishing, you know, and he always had the best advice. And I remember being a teenager and just venting to my grandfather about whatever my teenage woes were at the time. And he would listen to me just intently and quietly. And when I finished one time, he said, it ain't nothing but a step for a step a bit, girl. You just got to keep on stepping. Wow. <laughs> but it's true. I take that with me. Even now, like I just, you just got to keep on stepping. Yeah. yeah. You're, because that is really it. And when I think of, you know, on, again, I think of all the quote, if we want to call them curses that came your way, you, they also made you who you were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You would not be on this path of like saving people's lives and, and, and hopefully changing our system. If unfortunately you didn't go through this yourself. When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom. 
for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. And I think I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it, it, I come at this work from an entirely different perspective than the most lawyers. Well, you went through it, right? Absolutely. And you have a different passion and a different compassion mm-hmm. where it's not just the person in jail. You're thinking about all their children and their loved ones too that are now affected. Absolutely. But I also think the resilience of doors being closed in your face and having to overcome that, overcome that. Well, now in the bigs against the Supreme Court and against presidents and right, like all of that helped you get where you are. And I think, I think people get discouraged on their journeys because when they're in that, when they're younger and they're taking their licks, um, I don't think they understand they're being prepared you know, yeah. if they stay the course, if they, you, you stayed the course, you didn't give up, you didn't, there's n- any number of different ways you could have given up, you know, I kept stepping. you kept stepping. So interesting. And so when you, you know, go to law school and you get in and you write this amazing paper that literally like just a college paper, it ends up changing many lives. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? 
Yeah. So I was on the path of becoming a corporate lawyer. I was an accountant. I had worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers before law school and I wanted to climb the corporate ladder in corporate law and I had landed a big firm law job. So I got to cruise through, you know, my last days of law school and I took an elective called critical race theory. And in this course, we analyzed the intersection between race and the law. And I was writing my paper about the disparity in sentencing between powder cocaine and crack cocaine and how there was this 100 to one sentencing ratio that disproportionately impacted people of color. And so what that means is you could have 500 grams of powder cocaine. I could have five grams of crack cocaine and we're going to receive the same sentence in prison. And what I learned in this course, you know, it's not lost on anybody. We're in 2021 that at the end of the 80s, more affluent white people were using powder cocaine and crack cocaine was running rampant through black communities. And this created this huge disparity in sentencing to where even today, nearly 70 percent of people in federal prison for drug offenses are people of color. And so, you know, there's meaning to the magnitude of these numbers. And I wrote the paper about the law, but I wanted more. I wanted to show the heartbeats. I wanted to show how these laws had impacted real people and real lives. And I literally was in the law library one night and I did a Google search of like woman life sentence drugs. And I came across the case of a woman named Sharonda Jones. And that was truly a case that changed my life forever. Sharonda Jones was in her 10th year of a life without parole sentence for her first ever conviction, felony or otherwise, Come. for a nonviolent drug offense. Unbelievable. Life without parole. Wow. And Okay, continue, please. Yes. And what I learned was with this life sentence, I got to the without parole because there's no parole in the federal system. I didn't even know that at the time. There's absolutely no parole in the federal system. They abolished it in the 80s. And so Sharonda Jones was serving the same amount of time in prison as the Unabomber. Holy shit. Me, that was both morally and economically unjustifiable. You know, and I think I wonder, like, do people understand what this means? Life without parole. It screams a person is beyond hope, beyond redemption, and it suffocates mass potential. As it buries people alive. Yeah. Yep. Not to mention the anger and hate it spreads. Um, I, I'm like, just uh, every, I've heard it before, like you said, but you, every time you hear it, you just go, I, I can't even come up with words. But uh, is it you, you ended up, uh, you guys ended up corresponding with Chandra Jones, right? So tell yeah. me more about that. I'm sure you've heard about probiotics. We recently partnered with Just Thrive. Tina Anderson is the mastermind behind this extraordinary product. Why do we need a probiotic? The world we're living is so disruptive to our gut health, from antibiotics that we take, from Roundup that's sprayed out over our food supply, to stress. We see symptoms like gas and bloating, diarrhea, constipation, skin rashes, autoimmune issues and allergies, mood disorders, so anxiety, depression, all of those types of issues are stemming from our imbalance in our gut. And the thing about Just Thrive Probiotic is you don't have to refrigerate it. To be a probiotic 
it needs to be alive in your intestines, not alive in the refrigerator. And most of those probiotics in the refrigerator actually don't make it to the intestines alive, which is the goal. If we couple the Just Thrive probiotic and the Just Calm, what do we get? We know the probiotic alone is helping with the leakiness of the gut and helping all other types of things in our, with our overall health. But we know now when we add the Just Calm, it's helping with our mood. Guys, Just Thrive is a game changer. If you're ready to take control of constipation, bloat, and stress and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive probiotic today. Just visit justthrivehealth.com and use the promo code HEALSQUAD. You won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Hey, Heal Squad. We have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. Kelsey is so great at making sure she responds to all of you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as 10 dollars a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much. And we love doing this thing called life with you. I, her case just tugged at my soul. I wrote about her story in my paper and you know, my mom had been to prison and I remember how important it was for her to get mail and cards and, and letters, you know? So I sent Sharonda Jones a card and I told her I was a law student that I knew next to nothing about criminal law. I was going to be a corporate law lawyer, but I told her that I was going to get her out of prison. Oh my God. That gives me chills. Oh my God. Started a relationship from there. I would go visit her. And my first visit with her, I was so nervous, y'all. I just remember I never met anyone set to die in prison before. And I didn't know the reception I would get from her. Yeah. And I saw so much of myself in her, you know, a black daughter of the rural South, gorgeous woman. And when she walked in the visit room, all my nerves went away. Because what I got was a woman whose smile lit up the entire prison visitation room. What I got was a woman who clearly was a source of light to other incarcerated women. And I remember thinking, wow, how is she so positive in the face of adversity that would be unbearable for many people? Yeah. 
And she empowered me throughout our entire journey. How old were you at the time, Brittany? This would have been in 2009. So I was 25. 25. I mean, I don't want to take away from Chandra, but I just love how you manifested, how you just reached out. And like you said, you were not even a lawyer yet. You didn't know criminal law, but you're like, not only, I didn't expect you to say, I'm going to get you out. I could see you saying, I don't know what I can do to help, but I want to try. I love that. And why not? And how much, when you think of the time it's spent to write the letter and mail it, it was nothing, but compared to what ended up the journey and how it benefited the both of you. So what ends up happening from there? So from there, I go on this journey to free Sharonda Jones. And it was the most frustrating journey at the beginning because I, I graduated law school. I went on to practice corporate law. So I was literally moving million dollar deals by day and working pro bono at night on her case. The frustrating part was there was no avenue of relief for her. You know, the laws were starting to change. People were starting to see that this 100 to 1 ratio was clearly racially biased. Mm -hmm. They were starting to speak out about it. Members of Congress, federal judges, sentencing commission were starting to change the law. The Supreme Court was starting to recognize this disparity and the impact it was having on people of color. But none of this progress was retroactive. And so I was remember thinking, oh, my goodness, people are serving life sentences today under yesterday's drug laws. And there was just no avenue of relief for Sharonda through the court. And it was so frustrating because it showed me as lawyers, we're forced to work within the bounds of laws that are outside the bounds of moral consciousness. And there was nothing that I could have done to get Sharonda out of prison through the court. Our only hope was going to be executive clemency from the president of the United States of America, which at the time was President Barack Obama. And and how do you get to President Obama? I filed a clemency petition for Sharonda Jones. Had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Literally self-taught. Had some mentors along the way who would pour into me and guide me. And we filed this clemency petition. And it was pending, you guys, for two years. And for two years while it was pending, I was knocking on doors, emailing journalists, emailing radio stations. Podcasts weren't popular at the time. I don't even know if they existed in 2009, but I was trying to get her story out there. I wanted everyone to know about Sharonda Jones and this injustice. And people just weren't interested until two journalists from the Washington Post reached out. And they covered Sharonda Jones's story, featured her on the front page of the Washington Post. And it was such a great momentum for our movement to get her free. And, you know, after six years of working on her case, Sharonda Jones received clemency from President Barack Obama. And she had served 16 years and nine months of a life without parole sentence. And, and so, daughter, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't keep going, Brittany. I have so questions. Her daughter, who was eight years old when she went to prison, Picked her up from prison at almost 25 years old. So the Washington Post comes out and now we've got some electricity and, you know, we've got some, you know, some more energy behind this. And then it finally gets on the um, radar of President Obama. And how, how does that go down? I mean, do, do, do you yeah, get to see so him or speak cool. to him or how does it work? I did. And so at that, during the President Obama administration, there was a, 
clemency process. And so you file your petition with the office of the pardon attorney and they review it. Then it goes to the Department of Justice, like six or seven levels of review within the Department of Justice. And if they recommend it, it goes to White House Counsel's office and then it lands on the president's desk. And so it was it's like a lottery almost. You know, there was no inside maneuvering for me. I didn't know anyone. I was a corporate lawyer in Dallas. You know, I didn't have ties to Washington in, in that way, you know, and it really was. A true blessing. Yeah. A true blessing. Well, I think you you didn't have the inside thing, but again, you didn't give up. You the press, the power mm-hmm. of the, and you but you made that happen. Which is incredible. And now you you have a relationship with her now. Right? Tell yeah. tell me about that. And you guys do you're doing something with her, aren't you? Yeah, Sharonda Jones is one of my best friends. She was released in oh. 2016. And she lives down the street from me. We talk every day. <laughs> She's doing amazing. You know, she loved to cook. She had her own restaurant before she went to prison. And she'd always had this dream of having a food truck. She wanted a food truck. She wanted to hire for Let's go. <laughs> and, you know, I am so blessed that I was able to invest in her food truck in the fall she is designing it as we speak and going through her city permits. Her truck will be called Fed Up. Oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Play on being fed up with the yeah. system. And you're truly going to have your bellies fed with some good food. Yeah. And so she will hire Justice Impacted People to work her truck. And she's excited. You know, hopefully the truck will launch in about three months. And it's just amazing what she's doing. We also co-founded the Buried Alive Project together mm-hmm. along with my other client, Corby Jacobs, who had life and was granted clemency after 18 years from President Obama. And through this nonprofit organization, the Buried Alive Project, we work to provide pro bono free legal representation to other people who are serving these draconian sentences under these outdated federal drug laws. And, and to date, we've helped free dozens of men and women who we're set to die in prison. I think your story, Brittany, has to get out there because I think you're only one person and you know that. And I pre- bet you feel like that too. Like I would, you know, mm-hmm. you're one human being and you don't want to, like my wife has worked herself so hard to help other people. Literally she's gotten herself sick. So you have to protect and take care of yourself. I think what I love about this though, is if people buy this book and they learn from your story, this all started with a trip to the library, a Google search in a letter that, you know, she wrote to somebody. And so I feel like for, I would, there's got to be a percentage, maybe it's small, but there's got to be a percentage of people in law school right now who are, so, are as socially concerned and aware as you are, but maybe didn't have what you had is that like extra kick, that extra drive. But knowing your story, I think the best thing to do is that, you know, uh, the, you're, we, your ambassadors, let's say, could go out there and also do this, you know, and, and so it's not just you. So, so we can make these changes. Absolutely. And that's my dream, you know, to build this super team of lawyers where we're litigating this issue, you know, with the Buried Alive Project, we're small, but mighty, you know, we're mm-hmm. I'm fundraising right now just to hire another lawyer that could go train law firm lawyers who would go work pro bono, you know, one lawyer, we could leverage our impact to 20 that will work for free. 
So we're working on that now, you know, to be able to get more lawyers involved. Because for me, I was a corporate lawyer. No matter what type of law you practice, we should all be civil rights attorneys. And I just want to empower, you know, lawyers to take on these cases. So, you know, Brittany, what you need to do, and this is probably more of an off-air conversation, <laughs> but I think we have to find out where all the where all the lawyer, lawyers are to begin with, then who are those lawyers of all colors who are socially aware mm-hmm. and want to do their part? And then there's got to be a way to um, to unify them. And maybe it is just with Buried Alive, that's the banner. But I think that you've got to get, we've got to get you some more, um, yeah, we've got to sign some more members to the team. And I think there's a lot of people who want to, but they don't know how to, they don't think it's possible. And I feel like they need to get to you and to, and, and I think I have to wrap my head around a little more, but where's the data? Where are the eyes and ears mm-hmm. of that either a, a legal community or aspiring legal community? I don't know if it's touring the law colleges or advertising there. I, I don't know. I'd have to see what publications and platforms are out there where those eyes and ears go. But I think if you could center on those and speak to those, then I think you're going to get a flood of people that can help. Mm-hmm. It's just a side note. I'm sure the, well, Kelsey will want to edit that part out. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Cause I was even thinking, Brittany, I'm like, I want to help. I'm not a lawyer. How do I help? Right. So like, right. can we like normal people? I do have a friend who's a lawyer and I'm going to send her to you. Cause she's freaking amazing. But for us average folk, can we help? Yeah. Maybe it's like a Saturday a month that a lawyer could give. Do you know what I mean? Just like one Saturday a month is it 12 a year. And it's that Saturday on a Zoom where it's like, okay, I'll take this case. I'll take. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking. Mm-hmm. But how do yeah? How do people who are non lawyers, Brittany, help? Because sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's many ways to, to get involved. You know, I always tell people the number one way is in, information and education. Sharing the it, the fact that this issue even exists with as many people as you can. Because what I found is people don't even know. And we can't really solve an issue that we aren't even aware that exists. And so that's like step number one. Step number two for me is always reaching out to volunteer with local grassroots organizations in the area that are already doing the work, especially going inside to visit prisons. That's always perspective shattering and being able for me to help unlock people and potential because there's so much untapped genius that's languishing, you know, and so Also being able to help, we free people across the country. You know, we are conductors. We call ourselves on this underground railroad. We've had volunteers who we may have a person getting free on a bus, 10 hours to get home. And we have volunteers in certain parts of the country that'll go meet them at the bus station with warm food, with toiletries. We do re-entry baskets all the time for people coming out of prison. You know, most of the people we free You guys have served 15, 20, 22 years in prison. So they're coming out with absolutely nothing. And so we put together these really cool reentry baskets with gift cards and toiletries and, you know, just things to help them take their first steps of freedom. So we have volunteers for that all the time. And then the next step we're going to be working on is um, really wrapping our heads around more of this data that we have. We've analyzed over 30 years of data provided by the Sentencing Commission to really be able to show 
how this issue is impacting real people. This country spends $80 billion a year on incarceration. And I'm a corporate lawyer. I did mergers and acquisitions. I was acquiring companies. And we would never invest in a company and not track the outcomes. And the more we found that we analyzed the data, the less complete it was. Um, This is something I'm not well studied on at all. And if you are, I'd love to hear more about it. But the privatization of prisons, and I hear like that's really added to it. Is is that the case? And then, and how does that happen? That is how does one, it add? Yeah, it's one aspect of many. You know, it's a great point you bring up because there are corporations that are publicly traded on Wall Street that own these private prisons, and they have contracts with most of the time these very small rural towns. They have contracts with them to build prisons and have these prisons there, and these contracts include quotas. And numbers and thresholds of how many beds have to be filled. So that's it. So that's it. But privatization, people have to think of it, also includes healthcare providers, people who provide uniforms for prisons, people who provide the meals for prisons. So it's jobs. So so that makes it sexy too. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're making, I mean, they're making the more you people you lock up, the more money there is. If you're having to sell, provide food, the more people you lock up, the more yeah, money there. Everything, care. You know, everything revolves around around this profit. Have you if we have we considered a means in which? Okay, here's me living in La La Land, but is there a means in which we could make it profitable for? We could make it profitable for them if they reform. If it was based on their their ability to reform, mm-hmm. I don't know that if that <laughs> you know it's a, something that like I've that would flip that. it, you know, yeah, where we really give incentives, like For stupid incentives, yeah, to show, okay, this many got educated, th- these this this percentage went on to not commit another crime when they were released. Like I feel like that's the next thing, along with what you're doing. That's a brilliant point. Very brilliant. Right? Point. Is if we can find a way to incentivize the scumbags, sorry, the, the <laughs> people who own the prisons, wait, I'll make more money if I can reform because it's not there to reform. It's there to just make money. Mm. And and um and listen, I listen, I I any cynic out there, we are not talking about you know, serial killers and you know, we're not, we're talking about the, I mean, with this thing. And by the way, even some people make mistakes. That's the whole other conversation, but this is nonviolent mm-hmm. crimes. What we're, this is insanity, you know? Um, and that's another thing too. Like, I wonder if there isn't a separate kind of place. I, again, maybe I'm in La La Land that's for, for drug users. You know, like as far as that goes, you know, where it's, it is a place where they're away from society because maybe due to their addiction, they're not going to be, but it's about uh, rehabbing them, reforming them and not punishing them. We have to completely reimagine what justice looks like. Yeah. Agreed. It is definitely something that we have to, to really think long and hard about. It took centuries of intentional action to get us here and it's not going to be something that we can transform overnight. Talk about your dad said had a great quote to you about intention. 
my dad poured into me so much as a young girl. He would write me these poems and I was probably middle school, early high school. So of course, I'm not wanting to read poems from my dad. I'm wanting to go hang with my friends, you know, but I'm grateful I hung on to these poems. And he just always taught me about the power of intention and the power that we have with our minds to really write our own script, as he would say. And he would have me do these exercises as a child where, for example, if I said, I'm going to go to the White House, and he would have me do these exercises of writing down what day of the week was I going? What did I have on? Even the point of if I signed a document in the White House, what color was the pen that I was writing with? And it would be so annoying to me <laughs> at 14. But he was teaching me the power of manifestation, the power of intention, the power of our own minds to really create this reality that can be meaningful, impactful for the greater good. And I'm so glad that I kept those poems from my daddy. And, and that, and that knowing the power, being aware about the power of intention. Um, I need you to, uh, if you would possibly expand on the quote we said at the top, which I've never done this before, by the way, usually we just read the quote and we go, but I love this one so much because I think this will help a lot of people with their life future. I think coming out of the pandemic, I think it's disrupted a lot of people in a, in a great way to make them say, Hey, you know what? I need to change what's going on around me and I want to do something more intentional or something I'm more passionate about. Um, the quote, where does my greatest joy intersect with the world's greatest need? Can you expand on that? Yes. That quote came to me from my mentor and it was during a time where I was at a crossroads in my life of, should I continue with corporate law or should I follow my passion to help transform this criminal legal system? And it was a very hard decision for me to make because I enjoyed my job as a corporate lawyer. I wanted to continue to climb the corporate ladder. I felt an obligation to be the in those rooms where many times I was the only woman and the only black person in the entire boardroom. And I wanted to continue to climb that ladder and blaze the trail for other young women and girls as other people did for me. But I got to the point where justice was calling and it was a tough decision to make because I was comfortable financially with my job. You know, I had a plan on where I wanted to be in the next five years, the next 10 years. And then I was thinking about leaving that to help transform the criminal legal system, you know, and it was so tough. And one of my mentors sent me that quote to help me as I was making this decision. And, you know, what really got me there is I went and talked to my dad one night and, you know, I was telling him about losing financial comfort and not sure what would be out there. And my dad said, BK, that's what he calls me. He said, BK, stop worrying about the challenges and imagine the possibilities instead have to write that down. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop, Stop worrying about the challenges and imagine the possibilities instead. And he said, I think you know what you need to do. And I waited. I was no fool. My daddy and my mom raised me right. I waited about three months and got my annual bonus. <laughs> and yeah. then I resigned. <laughs> wow. 
but your greatest joy, which was, you know, uh, helping people who were dealing with injustice, met the need of the many, many, many people who are in, unjustly incarcerated. And I really like that formula for all of us. Absolutely. You know, for like, because, I mean, listen, if I went out to, I don't know, it seems like more and more, but if I go out to, say, a group of young people, you know, they would say, well, my greatest joy is being on TikTok or making TikTok videos. And I'd say, well, okay, but what's the need? Think of the need, you know? So we have a lot of TikTok videos, but maybe it's a, maybe it's TikTok videos around law or something. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I just love this idea of like, what's the greatest joy for you, but then what's the need in the world and how can we intersect them? And I think the need part is the part, for, there's a group of people who won't even look at the joy. They just do what they have to do and it, I get it. And then there's people who just want to do the joy and maybe they don't get the joy and they get angry or they don't get their, they don't get the rewards from the joy and they get upset, but they never take the time to look at the need. It's brilliant. It really is. It is definitely a, something that resonates with me, you know, because I, I get joy out of helping people. You know, it is a privilege for me to do this work. It's an honor for my clients. They're trusting me with their lives. And that's something I don't take lightly, you know, and, and it's definitely something that gives me a lot of satisfaction to be able to see them free and living life after life, as we like to say, you know, because they're really there's really nothing more urgent than freedom. So I, I want to ask Brittany, when, when Chandra gets freed, and I'm sure you're there when she's let out, what, did, what does she say to you? You know, she, we had the conversation. Her daughter went to, to pick her up a couple of weeks after we got the news she was going to be free. And she's always been so positive throughout her entire incarceration, but she had gotten to a place where she was being challenged. Her daughter was expecting her first baby. And Sharonda was just feeling devastated that she wasn't going to be able to be there. And we didn't have any word from the White House. Our petition had been pending for two years at the time. And we were worried. You know, her daughter was worried. How am I going to raise a baby without my mom? You know, and Sharonda was just devastated at the thought. And I remember having the call with her to tell her that her life had been saved. And she started crying. Mm. I started crying. And she just thanked me for over and over. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. You worked so hard for this, she said. And then she said, I get to be there for the baby. And that was so fulfilling for me because I knew the struggle of the just the mere thought that she wouldn't be there for the birth of her first grandchild and just and got to be there for the baby you could like it's listen game set match you could just re like retire on that in your life that you saved and so grandly affected one life to go on and do so many others um it's got a such a wonderful feeling but you know, I mean, the, the people have to feel indebted for, <laughs> I know I would be, mm. uh, not that you call them on it, but it's just, I don't know, it's just wonderful. It really is. I guess I'm not, I'm able to not even put it into words, but to have done so many. Um, and I, I think even getting through to, uh, the Trump administration, 
I, I commend you for that too. You got right. You were able to free a few people under that administration as well. Yes, four people. Four people. How many in total now, Brittany? Personally, myself, I've helped free twenty-five people who were set Holy to die. I gotta hang out with Brittany and get some Me of that too. good karma. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty, wow! That's amazing. Oh my goodness! Wow. Was it was it different to go through that administration versus Barack? Or is it the same? Is it the same thing? Is it just dealing with the council? It was much different. Oh really? The process was completely different. There was no process. You know, it was more relationship based than ever before. You know, it was. It was different. And so I'm hopeful this new administration that we see a reinvigoration of the clemency process, that we see clemencies granted on a much larger scale to many, many more people, you know. And, you know, yeah, it's time that we we continue to all join together in this transformative work because it definitely impacts us all. It impacts us all. You know, I think that's the one thing we have to remember. We are all, sorry, we're all connected. Yes. And it's going to affect everybody. It's, it, you, you can only sweep things under the rug for so long. And um, so we can either, you know, fight and, and keep being angry and fight each other or whatever. Or we can say, it's time to clean stuff up, you know. And 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 work together and and watch how great this will affect us. And we'll see it. I'm very confident we're going to see it with our children and our grandchildren. Yeah. I think they're going to laugh at a lot of the stuff. They won't laugh like it was funny, but they're going to say you guys were insane. Like they're going to look at us like we had ten heads. It's going to be much different, and I'm hopeful. I am too. You know, always hopeful, and you know, even with Sharonda talking to her every day and knowing the impact she has on every single person she meets. There's I mean, a ripple effect of her freedom yeah. that stands far beyond her and her daughter and her granddaughter. You know, it's systemic change in the way she lives her life. And it's just it's just beautiful to witness and empowering when you think that this woman was set to die in prison. Then along came Brittany. Brittany. Along came Brittany. So Brittany, I mean, would you ever consider politics i very likely would not good <laughs> only because it's like i think it's like uh because my wife always says oh, i want us and i'm like no i just i think um i just think it's 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 too much it's 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 an it's a lot on a on a person and uh, uh you know we all have our lanes and I, i'm gonna stay in mine stay in your lane yeah, not that, by the way, you'd be amazing, an amazing leader. Well, you know, you can get behind the other people too. I think that's the cool thing about media as well. You know, as as your story, as your book gets out there, and I encourage people to buy the book, um, I think that that only helps you because the, the, you know, the young girl that had to get, you know, articles published for, you know, the, your first case, now it's nicer that maybe you pick up the phone and go, come on, it's me. Mm -hmm. yeah give come mm -hmm. on top of the pile with this one this is you know and i think that's really cool i yeah, really do yeah it really has Brittany. i want to know what is the best piece i know you have a lot of good stuff from your dad but is there one piece of advice that you would say is one of the best things you've ever received 
Oh, there's been so many, you know, I would say, you know, I say, I'll go back to my dad, you know, and I, I know I'm, I go to him a lot, but I think it's important to show that daughters and fathers have very strong relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's important. And my daddy, his advice, I just carry with me all the time. And one of the greatest pieces of advice that he gave me is just to know that everything that I need to succeed is within me. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think that's true of many people. Everyone. Everyone. I agree. Everyone. How did you, I mean, you went through so much though growing up, so, so much. How did you keep that mentality, right? Like how did you keep keep fighting? I mean, there were so many different scenarios when you could have been beaten down, right? But you didn't. And I'm just, I'm so curious what, how you kept that mental state. You know, I, I definitely would credit a lot of it to my family. Mm-hmm. And just our love and, and unbreakable bond. You know, I use a quote at the beginning of my book by the poet Nikki Giovanni. And she says, black love is black will. And they'll probably talk about my hard childhood and never understand that all the while I was quite happy. And that is all attributed to the unconditional love and support of my family. Mm. That no matter what we went through, that unconditional love really empowered us all throughout the dysfunction. Yeah. And, and you want to call it. And you know, Brittany, mm. Brittany, what we haven't even talked about. What is the family saying now? Yeah. With everything you've done. I mean, they must just be like over the moon. My parents are very proud. My mom was released from prison in 2008. She served two and a half years. She's doing amazing. She's been sober since 2006. She works as a drug recovery nurse at, at a recovery center. And my dad is doing amazing. And they're really proud. I know that they are. My grandparents have passed away. You know, my grandpa, the keep on stepping, he passed away, but he's with me all the time, you know, and I know he's proud too. Um, and you're doing, you are flirting a little bit with Hollywood, right? To do, to do something, some stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that or is that hush hush? I'm doing a couple of things. Um, the one that I can talk about that I'm working on the most is I'm really just wanting to show this untapped potential that lies within justice impacted people. Some of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life have been my clients. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, and as weird as it may sound to some, I think many see the truth in it. All of my clients sold drugs and there are consequences for that action. But when you take away the illegal product, every one of my clients are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Sales, right? It's like distribution. So true. Legitimate economy, you know? And how can I help bridge that gap to provide capital to just as impacted entrepreneurs so that they can thrive and not merely survive because just trying to survive yeah, no, no, no. got them there to start with. Yeah. How can we put people in positions to thrive 
And so one of the things I'm working on is to be able to show this untapped genius in a way that shifts the paradigm mm-hmm. where people can see that there are people who, yes, may have gone to prison or, yes, may have had a mother in prison. But there are people out here that have life changing ideas that could have a tremendous impact on this world if only they had access to capital and resources. Yeah. And so I just want to bridge, help bridge that gap. It's funny. I worked um, 10 years. I worked in the carnival business to well, as I was moonlighting in Los Angeles working in television and uh, the ex-cons I work with. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Like they were all of, like, the, I, the, it was like, I mean, you could have done, I'm like, yeah, I know. They would just laugh. I'm like, do you understand like what you could, you know, um, I'm really excited and uh, I'm excited to talk to you off air because I have some things I, I just want to say on there. I just want some things I want to throw in your direction, Hollywood wise to, to try to do my part. Um, I also, I was before the pandemic, I was going to start working with, um, I was going to start working with some cons in the system, you know, offering help that I could give, which is in screenwriting and writing. You know, these people have tremendous stories to tell and you're just sitting there. So, you know, why not, you know, and I, I remember then the pandemic happened and that stopped everything. So I'm hoping to revisit that at some point, you know, I, I legal wise, it's not my thing, but, um, Anyway, yeah, I like the idea that we could all, yeah. Play a part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can all play a part, for sure, for sure. We have to. I mm-hmm. really do think we have to. And um, what you're doing is beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank and we you. need more people like you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I can't wait for Maria's back, for you, you to get with Maria, and um, us to continue this conversation and you to promote your next great great uh, feat i was gonna say escapade but then that sounds a little too fake <laughs> so your next great feat um but Brittany, thank you so much and uh just continued continued success in what you're doing and whatever we can do to help you you've you have maria me kelsey steven too so just thank no you. you've got friends here mm-hmm. thank yeah. you i really appreciate that and i i feel that thank deeply. you thank y'all for having me this podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.